We should be consuming the Word on how to raise our children. We should be in the Word looking at what does the Word say about raising children. Because I'm saying to you that the world is in competition with you trying to get the heart of your children. And right now, I think that the world is winning. If I look at children and I look at the state of our schools and I look at the state of where we are at, I think that the world is shouting a louder message than the church. And it's time for us to wake up and take responsibility. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Rudolf, can you just stand up quickly? Okay. I just want you to look at Rudolf. Thank you. Okay, you see he's quite a big man. I want to give you a quick testimony. Thanks, Rudolf. I want to give you a quick testimony. Last night, um, yesterday, I got a call to come help um, with uh, my in-law's house. Um, the fire was from here to the door from their house, and we, we had to, to try to, to uh, on the top of Erinwell, to, um, we feel the bliss. What's that? To put it out. And um, we, uh, that was a long process, as you can think. And as you think you finish, it's flared up again. So our eyes, and we were tired, and it, you know, we're standing there, um, and, and, and as the wind come up, these flames just come over you. And at one stage, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, may this wind just die down. And in that moment, the wind died down, and you go, oh, okay. And there's a guy next to me, he doesn't believe. He goes, keep on praying. Okay, and so, so that is what we, that is what we, what we were um, encountering yesterday. And then, oh, tired, um, I went to go fetch the boys, and I, I went home, and as I got home, God just spoke to my heart at about 9 o'clock, I think we got home, and I sent a message to one of my friends. I said, hey, are you guys okay? He says, no, we actually just got into the car. I said, where are you going? I don't know. Our house is burning. I said, well, come to my house. So last night at 10 o'clock, I was making food. At 1 o'clock, they got to bed, and I still haven't prepared for today. So the reason why I asked Grudel to stand, so I'm standing outside with him and my good friend, Roger, and I said, Hey guys, um, yeah, he said, how's it going? I said, I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm, I'm tired. I hope I don't fall asleep. And no, I wanted him to stand so you can see. So he said to me, have you gone to the army? I said, no. He's like, uh, well, you, you, when you get onto the stage, you just stand there. The Holy Spirit will work through you. So I know the next time that I go for evangelism, when he tells you the Holy Spirit is going to work through you, the Holy Spirit will work through you. I'm not going to, you're right, Rudolf, I am just going to stand. So I'm not tired. I am fueled by the Holy Spirit today. So hopefully today, um, guys, you have to go a wide zoom because I'm going to walk around. Um, but... Um, Yo, man, I, I am excited when, when God puts something in our hearts. And, 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 and Heinz sent me a message last night at 1 o'clock. He said, Harvey, listen, just speak what what Lord then puts on your heart. Don't speak about it. I said, no, 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 I have to prepare. And the reason is for that is this is such an important message. And we have spoken about Tethered. That was our group. And our, um, we've um, spoken about our relationship with God, our relationship with our fathers, mothers, our relationship with our wives. Last week it was Flame. 
um, speaking about that. And this week we are speaking about family, but more so our relationship with our children. Now John 15 says, I'm the true vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. We don't like the pruning, right? Today is pruning. So that it will be even more fruitful. And that is why we went into this, um, into this thing. Sorry, let me just say something. Carl, thank you so much. You did a great job this morning. I went back stop him. You did a great job, my friend. I just want to tell you that he was very, very nervous. And the reason why I'm thinking of him while he was up, up here, it almost feels like um, you are married to part of the congregation because it's just instructions that's coming your way. So I can see they going, pull up the mic, pull up the mic. I have to put it on my chin. Anyway, so guys, uh, please just bear with me. So, so I say, I think that the enemy is trying everything in its power to negate or to, to mask the importance of family in our society. If we look at society today, everything that's happening in, um, in society today is this gemakdorp that um, it's aimed, dan baie dankie, sien, dis ook my kwaad, jy moes vandag kerk toe kom, want jy sê woordeboek wat jy voorse. It's aimed towards that thing to say, hey, family is not important. Hey, it's okay. Hey, everyone is struggling. And we negate that responsibility of family. So today I want to speak, I just want to ask quickly, except for me, because I do, but who has got perfect children? Okay. Oh, no. My kids told me to say that. Um, who knows exactly the 101 of parenting? Now, my, <laughs> my friend Paul there, if you guys don't know this by now, he's legit got eight children. Legit. Okay? Now, if you see his, see his wife, she looks as fresh every morning. I go, how do you do that? I, I won't forget the one day Paul came into the church. And as Paul came in, I said, how's it going? They just had a baby, the eighth baby. How are you doing? He says, no, it's going well. Uh, are you sleeping? Yeah, I'm sleeping. And just behind him, his wife is coming in. I said, how's it going? She says, no, the baby's not sleeping. So anyway, <laughs> let's ask the wives, okay? The one-on-one of parenting. He said to me the other day, if he had one child, he would have been on his eighth best New York selling book on how to raise children. But God had a sense of humor. When he came to number eight, he knew. He knew nothing, okay? So I think we all feel the same, okay? That first one is fine. I can remember when Joshua was born, um, and it's easier with, with Leon because at the end, then you, you learn. But with Joshua, I remember for two minutes, they showed me how to wash him, and then they gave me this baby. Now, jo- Joshua was a bit prim, two weeks, so he was tiny. He fit like on my hand like that, okay? And I'm like, okay, what must I do with this little baby, okay? And they just left. They left me there. I'm like, okay. And um, you have to swaddle it. Like, what does that mean? Do I put it like a puppy in my... I don't don't know. And then I remember um, the first time I had to take him to the car. And, yeah, we get to the car, and I had a sports car, so it was quite low. And um, you you remember your first seat, and I was quite um, chuffed with myself because I got this thing to fit in the car. And then I put him in, and I go, okay, how do I actually tie him to this thing? Okay, I, I don't know. And I remember going over the first bump and I just, 
it looked like one of those dogs in the back of the car that has got that bobble head. And I'm going, oh my word, I am not born for this. What the heck is happening right now? Okay. And in that moment, I realized that we've got so much to learn. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, um, another good friend of mine, Rikas, he's here. He, I think he's had like nine knee surgeries or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, two, I think. Him having that knee surgery and coming out of the knee surgery and he just had a shoulder up, it doesn't make him a specialist on doing surgery on my knee, right? However, we think that because some child is just born into our life, that we are suddenly specialists in raising children. And I realized that if we know that, if that is something that's in our mind, that we know that it isn't something that just comes naturally, we've all just laughed and agreed that it's really difficult, we should be consuming the word on how to raise our children. We should be in the Word looking at what does the Word say about raising children. We should be um, reading books. We should be consuming how to, because I'm saying to you that the world is in competition with you trying to get the heart of your children. And right now, I think that the world is winning. If I look at children and I look at the state of our schools and I look at the state of where we are at, I think that the world is shouting a louder message than the church. And it's time for us to wake up and take responsibility. And today I want to speak about that responsibility. I want to speak on what is it that we can do. Because it is a blessing, and I will show you today from the Word, to have children. It is such an incredible gift from God. But we, as, as parents, we've got a, a, a job to do that was given um, from Christ. Right? Are you there? But you see, we just came, my beautiful wife and I just came back from Israel and we were here for four days and she was back to Israel with another group. But in Israel, I realized something, Warren. I realized that we read Psalm 23 and we see, what does it say? Um, Leave me in green pastures. If I ask all of you to close your eyes right now and I say, what is that picture? You see this grass standing this high and you see this little sheep jumping out of the grass and maybe there's a little uh, border collie chasing it. Okay? And it's just, and, it's, and they're taking the grass. Uh, they don't have hands. They're taking the grass and they're eating it. Okay? And they're consuming it. And oh, it's this wonderful, Utopia, and then you get to Israel where this was actually written, and it's nothing but Vustain and Klippa. And you go, but that is not the picture that I have created in my mind. Because you see, as Christians, we want to think about the abundance, we want to think about how easy it's going to be. But that was not the picture. The picture was actually saying, and I'll get to the point now, the picture was actually the shepherd, and when it says um, the grass, it, it actually takes him to a little piece of green grass, and the sheep eat that, but the sheep knows that tomorrow the good shepherd will take them to another piece of, every day they'll have their daily bread. That's actually how it is. And when we start seeing our children, and we look at it, I can remember when I married um, Jackie, um, our first little fight, three weeks into our marriage. I'll never forget it. And my wife was down for two days. 
And I said, hey, what's wrong? She said, no, married people that are godly should not fight. <laughs> okay, okay, how did you create that expectation? But that was an expectation created by her, and now we didn't meet that expectation, but it wasn't biblical. It says that we will face hardship, and the same happens with our children. We've got this box that we put ourselves in as Christians, and we say, hey, we need to get to that, and when we don't get there because we've created this, how our children must look according to how I feel and what I want, and if we don't get there, then we go, oh, I failed. When I look at the Word and when I speak on something, I want to get a story from the Bible, and I want to tell you this is what the Bible says, because my opinion, by the way, doesn't count. The opinion of the Word is the only thing that counts. The facts, the promises of the Bible. So, Yaku, what I did was, I looked at the Bible and my wife said, Chavi, it's easy enough, last night at one o'clock, it's easy enough from Israel, you just go and you go um, look at, you're good with stories in the Bible. So I went through the Bible. And do you know what I found in the Old Testament? Dysfunctional families. <laughs> let, me, let me show this to you. Adam, uh, Adam and Eve, they created sin. <laughs> Their children, the one killed the other. <laughs> okay, next page. I'm not going to say that because my children are close to that, but I don't want them to kill each other, but we'll get there. Then I go, okay, Joseph, hmm, let's look into um, envy and jealousy and let's just sell off the brother we don't like. Don't get ideas, okay? And they sold him off to Egypt. Then you go further and, uh, I mean, I can carry on with so many examples that I've seen. And you go, oh, these, oh, David. I mean, a man close to his God's heart. And you think, okay, he knows how to raise children, right? And then his son sleeps with his sister. He actually mocks that he's sick and he just says, oh, come help me. And then when she comes in, he rapes his sister. Dysfunctional family. David goes into a five-year depression after that and doesn't come out of his room. Dysfunctional. I can't use that. I can maybe use it what you shouldn't do. But God shows me something, that there is a dysfunction there in the Old Testament. But then Jesus comes and he said, hey, you have tried to do it your way. I have come for a reason. Why? So that I can give you something better. And he says, Warren, remember that I said that you are not allowed to, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, now you're not even, uh, you can't even look at another uh, woman because then that's already adultery. And he raises the bar. And I go, God, but even the Old Testament, when it was real, they couldn't do it. And we look at the New Testament and it has raised the bar. How are we actually going to do that? How are we then how do you propose we then be these parents that the real test uh, that the new testament which is the ideal how do we get there isn't that a good question or is it just me struggling with that god shows me something he says holy in the old testament the spirit of the lord came upon a prophet and he outran a horse he said, the spirit of the Lord came on Samson, and he was a strong man. He killed many people. 
um, he, he said the Spirit of the Lord came on um, Caleb and they could um, go into a fight and they didn't get weary and they won the fight. He said, when Jesus died and he went into heaven and he rose into heaven, I sent the Holy Spirit that was on them and it's living inside of you and that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit now resides inside of you. So you are not doing it alone. You are doing it through the Holy Spirit. And that is something that we need to understand when before we can even go. I can stand here and I can give you tips on how to be a good parent. I can show you in the Bible what it says through. But if I don't tell you that you will not be able to do this, even if you write it down and even if you put it in your house and even if you've got one of those, I see that's a new thing, slogans on your walls on what the Holy Spirit, what the, um, the, the Word says. If you do not have the Holy Spirit that stirs something in your heart that makes it real so that you can do it, you are going to fail. So make sure that you parent with the Holy Spirit right there. What does the Holy Spirit say about wisdom? He says that if you pray in James 1.5 and you ask for wisdom, I will not give it to you. No, it says to everyone that asks, I will give you wisdom. And that is how we need to approach this. This is how we're going to do it. On our own, this is not going to happen. Then we'll have the dysfunctional families that we see today. Now here's the good news. That was only my intro, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that this will, this will bear fruit in our hearts. But, Father, I ask that whatever comes out of my mouth, that it will not be my opinion, but it will be based on the truth of the word, Father God. I ask that everything that will come from my mouth, Father, will come from the throne room of Jesus Christ. I thank you in, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I can and actually stop there and we can go home, but let us, let us set the scene. There's something that I need you to know, and that is that you are not a mistake. Before we can even look at parenting, before I can even look at a kid or a parent, I need to tell you that you are not a mistake. And this is where I need Warren actually on stage to come speak to you about that. You are not a mistake. It doesn't matter if you were not planned. What does the Bible say? That even before you were consumed, before, even before you were in your mother's womb, he thought of you, he had a plan for you, and he knew what you're going to amount to. So I don't care if somebody says you were not planned, you were planned for a day like this. Your children was planned way before you even had. Let me, let me say this. Let me, sorry, and I, I wasn't preparing this, but listen to this. What is Zacchaeus in Engels? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Doesn't sound right. Okay. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very short man. Okay? Let me not go there. He was a very short man. So he got into a tree to see Jesus. Jesus came past. And when Jesus came past, now let me just say this. In the Old Testament, how important, in the Bible, how important was names? Very, very important. And, and Zacchaeus' name was meant pure and innocent. I just want you to have that in your mind. Pure and innocent. So when he was born, his parents called him pure and innocent. And that was normally an indication of who you are. So he gets onto a tree. Jesus says, hey, come down. I'm coming to your house today. And as he comes down, the people around him says, he's going to the sinner's house. 
So we know that he was in sin. So much so that the world around him saw that and said, Ish, you can't go to a sinner. He was not a good person. Can we agree on that? Okay, according to the word. We are quite intelligent and we can make that assumption. And then he, he went into his house. And suddenly what happened was that um, he opened up and he said, Okay, okay, I will sell. Before Jesus even said a word, I will sell whatever I have. And then I'll take off and I'll give back to whoever I've um, stolen money from. And I will do good. And suddenly what was inside of him is coming out. Let me tell you, pure and innocent then came out when Jesus came on the scene. If you want to, I don't care if somebody said to you that you are not planned. I don't care if you, how old you are. If somebody said to you, well, actually you weren't planned. You weren't supposed to be. A, I want to tell you that is a lie out of the pit of hell. You, there is something inside of you that the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of you. And when you meet Jesus, that will come out and you will be restored to what you were supposed to be. So if you have got children, I want you to pray that over their lives. I want you to pray that whatever was put inside of them. Gideon, he was in a wine press. Um, um, okay? And he was, what, how that works is you throw it in the air and then it takes away the, the chaff and it leaves the wheat behind. Okay? He's doing it inside in the wine press. Why? Because he's scared. And here comes an angel and an angel comes to him and he said, Hey, listen. Um, mighty man of valor. He goes, no, you've got the wrong person. For a second time, the, 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 the angel said to him, hey, mighty man of valor, get up. And he goes, do you know who I am? My tribe is the weakest of them all. I am such a weak person. And for a third time, the angel says, mighty man of valor, get up. Because when he was born, something was put inside of him. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, that comes out. So that is why it's so important when I speak today on these principles on how to have godly children. One of those are to get them to Jesus. It is so important so that he can bring out what is inside of them. But before I get into a few lessons on how to raise godly children, I want to tell you that the first thing is that it is a privilege to have children. It is a privilege. Listen to this. Psalm 127 says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children is a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Bless the man whose quiver is full of it. When I read that, I was like, okay, I want 13 more children. I'm like, geez, it sounds so, like it, it, it stirs something inside of me that it's a reward from him. But when I look around, I must be honest, I look at some parents and I go, mm, it doesn't look like it's a reward. It actually looks like it's a bit of a burden on people. It's a burden for some people. It doesn't look like it's pleasing to them to have children. And we are losing our children because of this. The distractions of the world says, hey, if you come to me, I will accept you. They need to see from us as parents that it's a privilege for us to have them in our lives. They have to see that they mean something to us. It is so important. When your children look at you, can they see that they are a reward from him? What do they see when they look at you? Oh, the second truth is that we have to be aware of ungodly counsel and this thing called 
common sense. Let me tell you this, that we have to stay away from what Tansani said on what the right way is to raise children. Or what Umgari said, what is a, I can what Umgari said. It is important that we go to the word and we hear from the word and what that says. Ungodly counsel is not a good thing. When you start taking advice, Roger, from somebody, make sure that their children is in right standing with Christ before you take advice from somebody on how to raise your children. Show me your children and then you can give me advice. But people, you know what's happening. Because of social media and because of WhatsApp and because of all of this, we've got so many experts. We've seen that in COVID. <laughs> okay? Somebody that's been in IT suddenly became a doctor in COVID. Okay? Let me tell you. Okay? These masks. Sorry. So many specialists. So many specialists on how to raise your children, but their children don't even speak to them. Be very careful of ungodly people speaking into your life. Stop consuming. And I'm going off script all the time, but stop consuming what the internet is feeding you. Go to the Word. Let's stop looking at, because there's so many people that's writing articles, and I read it and I go, this is not even based on the Word. Yet people send it on. Because it says five ways how to raise your kids. Not good enough. Deuteronomy 4, 9. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Say, Only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. What that verse is saying is, make sure that you hear from God. That you see what's happening, how God speaks to you. And when you see how God has changed something in your life, make sure, make a note so that you can teach your children, so that they can teach their children. And when you're a grandparent, so that you can teach their children that God is good. And when we do that, we will start seeing godly children. Can I get an amen? Are you guys excited about this? This is incredible stuff, man. Let's not look at the world. But you see, as a church, we've been silent too long. And we've given the world a voice. And they're speaking loudly into our children's lives. Have you, have you taken the time and gone through a textbook of your child? It feels like we have lost. We have lost the ability to, 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 to um, look after our children. Third truth, children are not your possession. <laughs> yeah. You are only a steward. 1 Corinthians 4 says, one day we will all stand in front of the Father and we'll give an account of what He's given us. These two children are not mine. They were given to me. I'm just a steward. One day, I will have to go back to the Father, and I will, have, I will say to him, this is what I've done with your children. This is how I have trained them. This is what they have become. And that day, I will have to stand, nobody else, as a father and say, I have been a good or a bad steward. 
Now, I think that if we realize that, that one day we're going to stand in front of the Father, giving an account of how we trained and how we raised our children, something will happen inside of us, and there will be a, some more unction inside of us to do it right. But I think we, for, we forgot the fear of the Lord. And I'm sorry if this comes across a bit strong, but I think it is time that we, we, we start hearing the truth and moving in the truth. Amen? There's so many things that I could say today. Sorry, I just want to hear. Franz, where are we going Yeah, okay. Is it okay if I take 15 minutes? Is that okay? Okay? Good. How do I raise godly children? That's so important. There's so many topics that I could have gone into. The role of Jesus, the church in your children. Um, I had a whole thing on discipline, but that is a whole sermon on its own to get into discipline. And I know there's different um, ideas of, of discipline, so I don't want to go into that today, but I hope that we get a time to want to go into it. So what I'm going to show you is just three things that I have learned from my life with my children, what I've seen in the Word, and how practically we can do something. And then at the end, I'm going to do a little rapid fire where I'm going to give you 10 things that you can, you can look at and go, okay, if I implement this, hey, it's biblical, you have to trust me, it's got all scripture behind it, and, and it will give you some biblical thing. Is that okay? Fantastic. To even think of raising godly children, you have to have a godly home. To have a godly home, you have to have a godly marriage. You see, we like to separate the two. No, 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 no. Don't look at my marriage. This is raising my children. This is another box. No, 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 no. The way I treat my wife cannot have a reflection on how I treat my children. No, no. These two are not at all related. Warren, it's related. And I'll show you now. When it comes to parenting, marriage matters. Listen to this. If mom and dad goes to church, 72% of the kids as adults will follow Christ. If a mom only went to church alone, 15% of the kids as adults will follow Christ. Dads, are you here? Listen to this. If a dad only goes to church with his children, 55% of the kids will follow Christ. What influence do we have as men? If neither the mom or the dad goes to church, only 6% of those kids will grow to follow Christ. Now, that's a stat that should keep you up at night. We've got such a big role to play. I, I listened to a story once about a foster child that it was so bad in his house that he, um, he actually said to, he went to uh, the authorities and said, listen, I can't stay with him. I, I, you have to take me away. And I, I think he was 13 years old and they took him away and they, they took him, and I can remember the, the name of the, the family, it was the Price family, the prices that he, they took him to. And in that, by the Price family, he saw for the first time what it is to be loved. He saw a dad that reads Bible with him. They were sitting at a table, and after they've eaten and chatted about their day, he read the word to them. They sh showed fiction and love. And listen to what this, what this orphan said. He said, 
All I needed was to see and experience godliness and love. And then I knew what to aim for when I was older. Let me say that again. All I needed was to see and experience godliness and love. And then I knew what to aim for when I was older. Part of a godly marriage is to behave in a godly manner. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore become imitators of God. Copy Him. Follow His example. Why? As well-beloved children, they will imitate their Father. The old do as I say and not... No, do, do, do what I say and don't do what I do. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. Ephesians 5 says, no, 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 no. As you are imitators of God, so your children will imitate you. They will behave like you behave. Yo, if you realize that, I think that our behavior in, at our... At, um, somebody didn't like that. Um, <clears throat> Somebody closes the door, I'll preach it open. Your behavior and not your advice determine whether your children wants to be around you and if they want to listen to you. How you behave towards them, your spouse, other people around you, how you react, how you behave will determine if it draws them to Christ or repels them from Christ. You see, when you tell somebody, do as I say, but your behavior is not the same as that, it will actually cause rebellion. Because they will look at that and go, no, if that is how I must be, I don't want to be like that. And you will lose your children. It is time that how we act and how we behave becomes godly so that our children can look at us and go, that is what I want to be. And because he is like that, I know Christ. And that is where we need to get to. And I'm skipping a lot because I'm running out of time. Children raised in a godly, loving home by parents with character typically mimic or copy the virtues demonstrated by their parents. Parents. When you tell them to do what you do, but you don't do it, it cultivates anger inside of them. We have to produce children with the character of Christ. You see, when you behave in a Galatians 5.22 way, that is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Which is, which is the other one, 5.23. So, yeah, no, 5.19. It's 5.22, fruit of the Spirit. If you behave in the fruit of the Spirit, it creates respect. Respect creates influence. No respect, no influence. If the behavior is wrong, there's no respect. You've got no influence over your children. Parents who don't model godliness in their behavior cannot, it is not even possible for them to cultivate godliness in their children. Listen to this, and I'll put this in bold, so this must be important. When we raise our children with bad behavior, like fear and anger from our own insecurities, we need to ask ourselves, where does that stem from? 
You see, these behaviors in ourselves are normally manifestations of self-preservation or reputation preservation. Let me explain. So when you look at your children and they behave in a certain way that you don't like, and you think, well, my reputation is at stake, you're going to react in anger. And that is a very selfish way to look at it. And you need to go see why is it so important for you that your children behave in a certain way. I'm not talking about biblical principles. I, I, I speak about other things that you go, oh my word, it's actually my ego that is, that, is, that is in the way. And it's not a biblical thing that's in our way. You see, if we can get our behavior to not be driven by our ego or our own pride, to be biblical and not fleshly, in that moment that we react correctly, we create moments, potential moments, to create a teachable moment that will define their lives. Can I tell you a little story? When Joshua played his first rugby match, and I ask his permission if I can tell this, okay? And so, so um, was Karl? Karl Sassian is bezig met Baliki rugby. I mean, it makes you so proud. I don't know who plays harder, the parents next to the field or them on the... I mean, Baliki rugby, all the parents are actually on the field saying, no, run that way, run that way. And then your child runs the other way and he dives over for a try and it's not even his try line. Anyway, I loved every moment of that. But then Joshua played his first um, um, rugby match. Against who was it? Paul, Paul Boys. Oh, okay, I thought it was a difficult team. Anyway, Paul Boys, okay? <clears throat> and... Um, and Joshua is playing. Now you can think. He must have been 10 years old. This whole field in front of him. First time that it's a whole field. And he's playing fullback. All on his own. None of his mates around him. And before there's even a kickoff, Josh is gone. Where's Joshua? And I look up and there Joshua is behind the posts crying. So I go around. I said, oh my boy, I, 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 I ignore him, Liu. I say, Liu, is he Okay. And he holds his mind. And I can feel his, his heart. He says, look at the big field. I'm alone. I can't do this. And I prayed for wisdom in that moment because I know that this was a teachable moment. And I, as a dad, want to say, man, get over it. Get on. Was you always in the army? I'm just taking it off. I was not going to bang for it. Anyway, so... Get away from, that's how I feel. And I go, no, 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 this is a teachable moment. God, give me the gentleness that I need for this. Give me the love. And I say, Josh, even if you don't go onto this field today, even if you don't get back on, I will love you as much as before this game. I will love you even more if you don't go on there. But it's not about me today. This is about you. If you go back onto that field and you go help your, if this is a defining moment. We can, if you go help them, two years from now, you're going to look back at this game and you're going to go, was it a man or was it a mouse? Even if you choose mouse. Now, that was a little bit of manipulation. I said, even if it was mouse, it's okay. I will love you as much as I did before this. You can stand next to me. We're going to watch the game. I need to teach you this, that we're not going to negate on responsibility. You're going to watch the game. However, I want to tell you I'm going to love you so much. But go back, go play the game of your life, ask Christ to be with you, and he will help you. And Josh ran. He was crying running on, but he ran on. And he played the game 
of his life. He was kicking. He was chipping through. Man, it was incredible. And he came up and he said, thank you for teaching me that moment. And it's something that he will remember. Something that changed his character on that day. And we have to pray for moments like that where we can pray for, uh, where we can give them that. As you can see, I'm going through a lot of things that I can say. The second thing is, train them in the Word of God and teach them dependence on the Father. Okay? The Scripture says, Proverbs 22, 6, Train up your child in the way he should go. Why? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have to know that reading the Word and teaching them the ways of the Lord is the way that they need to go. You cannot outsource this to somebody else. You cannot outsource this to the church. You cannot outsource this to the school and say, oh, they're failing my child. That is not up to them. Let me tell you, you don't want the school to teach you. And I'm sorry for the school teachers. I know there's really, but there is a curriculum that they have to teach that I don't want my kids to to, to be be taught. So I will take the time to teach them on the disciplines of life. What does the word say? Listen, I want to read you something. Proverbs 2. It says, my son, this is out of the Bible. I want you to realize this is out of the Bible. Was it, Francois? Adi Bible. Okay. Proverbs 2. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments with you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out the insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as a silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is the shield to those who walk in blamelessness, for He guards the cause of just and protects the way of His faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair for every good father. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk on the dark ways. Isn't that an amazing thing to teach your children? Isn't that an amazing thing to teach your children? It's in the Bible. I read the Bible. It's not a motivational thing written by somebody out there. It is written by by, um, a biblical person put into the Word by God so that we can read it to our children so that we can change their lives. Don't you want your children to have knowledge and wisdom? Don't you want them not to listen to the world? This says exactly how we should do that. Exactly. But we have not learned that if we train our children biblically from the Word, that we will change their lives, Warren. We will change them. We have to get back into the Word. We have to train them in the ways of the Word. We have to train them in the wisdom and the promises of what God gives us. If that does not motivate you to read the Word, I don't know what will. Listen to this. This is in Deuteronomy 6, 6, 8. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind
tied them on your foreheads and on your doors. In old days, that is what they did. At the post, they put something there. Why? So that when they go out, they touch that. They put something on their arms. Why? So that when their children see them touch it and pray or touch that, they go, hey, Dad, what you do? What you doing? Hey, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me tell you what God did for us when we were in Egypt. Let me tell you what happened when death came and there was blood on our doorposts. Let me tell you. And suddenly, there's training from the first generation to the next generation. And what do you get? Caleb's, Joshua's, people that will stand up. But we need to take up that armor. Stian, we have to start training our children. We can't leave it for the world to do that. We have to do it. We have to take that up. Are you guys with me in this? Let's take control of our kids. Let's take the word and teach that to them. Let's start groups. Listen, Drikas, you've got a home cell. In your home cell, teach the children. It is important. That's what we are called to do. The Hebrew word for train, that you remember that? I just read that whole thing of train or train. That train is called kanak. C-H-A-N-A-K, which you say kanak. This means literally in the old days when the Israeli women had children, the Hebrew um, doctor will take a midwife, actually, will take a paste and they'll put it on the palate of the baby, okay? And, they, and then that will make them suck, and that is how they actually latched onto the mom. That's the same word, chanak, that is used in train. What we should do is we should bring them to Christ so that they can experience and they can taste the wonder of our God, that they can taste this awesome God so that it will not depart from their lips, so that whenever they are alone, whenever they are adults, they will go, "Mm, I can remember that, and that is what I want to draw from. That is training them, giving them a thirst for the Holy Spirit, giving them, but that cannot happen if our behavior is not right. It cannot happen if we We don't even praise and worship God. How can my children see how to praise God, how to lift Him up, if I don't even do it? If in my house there's not worship music playing, in my house, if I'm not reading the Word, if they cannot see me, praise the Father, give Him glory and honor for everything. Every single day, even if I miss them and I'm not there or I'm in Israel, I will phone them before any test or any exam and I will pray for them because we must be praying fathers for our children because then they will start praying for the world. They will start praying for but we want these children but we are lack in training them in the ways of the Lord. Amen? I'm obviously doing this for myself but anyway. Ephesians 6 says, fathers do not exasperate, is that the right word? Irritate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Listen, I I can't go into this, but there's a lot of training in Proverbs. Training to manage them in God's money, Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Train them to carefully select friends, Proverbs 13, 20. Um, Train them to watch their words, Proverbs 4, 40, 24. Train them to be generous, Proverbs 11, 25. Train them to fear God, Proverbs 1, 7. There's so many training that we get from the Word, just from Proverbs. We can train them. Things that says, keep your mouth free of, uh, 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 of bad words. Don't speak corruptly. A generous person will prosper. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. These are all things that we can train. Start with only those 10 things I've just mentioned. 
Okay, Braunschweig is on The last thing is, teach them real love. Oh man, this is so important. Not the love that the world is portraying out there. Real love. Real love starts understanding the love of the Father for them. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. You are not a bespoke. You are perfectly and wonderfully made. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you don't go to hell, but that you go to heaven and you can have a relationship with him. Speak that over your children. Bless them with that. Teach them the love of the Father. Listen to this, Mark 10. This is Jesus, the example. Who follows Jesus' example? Zelda is it net ook. Can you listen to the upstairs? Yes, see Listen to this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on him, but the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was by God. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not. And listen to this, verse 16. And he took the children in his arms, placed um, his hands on them and he blessed them. Took them into them. That took, that is the word called haptomahi. Okay, H-A-P-T-O-M-A-I-E. And that means literally to attach oneself. He took them and he hold them. And there was a loving embrace. And that is the example that he's given us. Take your children. Take them in your arms. Give them a loving embrace. I can remember Joshua's first day of high school. Sorry, I'm embarrassing him again. First day of high school. I took him to high school. And um, he got out. And I said, give me a kiss. And he said, no, no, no. He never knew some kid. He said, see you, I said, oh. I said, okay. And he got out. And I let the window down. I said, Sian, Muni Ailni. Papa, come all you via Iso. Muni Ailni, he's my answer for you. I said, believe, yes, see, man. Papa, via this arch for you. Muni Wari. Hey, so you can't go. Okay, thank you. And I cry and I come to. And I go to. I said, Papa, cry over here. So Muni Ailni. And then this afternoon, the afternoon when I fetched him, I said, okay, Joshua, so I can your Alkadak so I'll fly off your soon, mate. Okay. He kisses me even at a rugby match. I'm telling you now. Why? Because there's something in an embrace of a father to his son. Because I, whenever I do that, whatever is inside of me, this dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is transferred to them as well. And they can feel the love of the father that's in me going through to them. We have to learn to give them the real love, the embrace, the hugs that they need. There was a guy, last story. Last story, King Frederick II, he did a, he did a, 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 in the 1300s, okay, he did a study. He wanted to see if he takes 50 children and they don't speak to them at all, what language will they speak? Okay, so nobody's allowed to speak to them, nobody's allowed to touch them, you just feed them. That's all they did, Warren, they just fed them, okay, it sounds like utopia, okay, like, just feel like when we get married. Don't speak to me. My words are love. Just feed me. Okay. So they fed them and they fed them. Okay. Because he wanted to see what language will they speak. How would they think? Before the year was over, all 50 children died. And they looked at them and go, what happened? And they realized that as human beings, we need affection. 
We need somebody to hold us. What's the first thing they do when they get that baby when it was born? No, no, take off your shirt, put it against your chest. That affection. And Jesus knew that and he took them and he said, let us embrace them. Let them embrace them. You need to pray with your children. You need to bless them. Dads, put your hands on your children. Speak blessing over their lives. You will go over and not go under. On this day, God will be with you. You'll have wisdom and you'll have knowledge. They need to understand how to pray. They need to understand how to act in the world. And they need to know how to mimic Jesus when they are out there. Quick rapid fire points for raising godly children. Quickly. Christian parents, including dads, it's your responsibility to ensure that your children know and that they serve the Lord. Bible reading has to happen. Prayer at meals, bedtimes, relating to the Lord in their everyday lives. Read the Word. Expose children continually to the presence of the Lord. Guys, you need to have worship sessions where you pray with your children so that they can experience what it is to have God in their lives. Spend devotional time with them personally. Let your home be filled with Christian music. Sing to the Lord with your children. Teach them the worship songs. Don't irritate your children. It's biblical, guys. Home is not a boot camp. It's not rigid, harsh parenting that will often lead to rebellion. Train them day after day to be positive and to encourage people. Train them in the instruction of the Lord. Tell your children and show them often that you love them. Be sure to affirm them. Praise them. Bless them. Show physical affection. Hug your children. Hold them like Jesus did. Be involved in their lives. Show interest. Listen to them. Spend time with them. And this includes dads to be included in their homework so you can see what happens in their lives. Did you learn something today? Fantastic. Okay. Guys, as I stand here, I want you to know that there's something that's stirring inside of me. When you go out here and you forget everything I say, I'm going to ask you to do this. Start praying with your children. Men, start taking communion with the children that's over 13. That's just something that we do in our men's group. You can, if it's younger, it's fine, but that's what we do. Just make sure that you pray with them. Show them the love. And then, over anything, I want to ask the parents that when you are around your children, behave like a godly marriage. It is so important. And those of you that are divorced, hey, I unfortunately come from a divorced marriage. Unfortunately, not something that I would choose for anyone. There's consequence to that. But you know what? Like with Peter, we serve a God of second chances. And he gave me an amazing wife that loves my children even more than what I do godly wife that prays with him there's always a second chance I don't care who you are I don't care what you've gone through I don't care if you say but I've messed up to now there's always second chances I wish I could get Rudolf up to come speak to you about second chances it's something that God has given us pray for your children let's stand and just pray for our kids Father what a privilege it is to have children When we read your word and we make it our own and we draw close to you and we have the love of Father of Abba inside of us, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, we 
can't help but love our children. But Father, I pray for everyone that's here today and those that are listening and those that will listen to the podcast or will will look at this video later. I ask, Father, that you will help us with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that will come through that, that we will apply that to our children, that we will train them to be God-fearing children, that it won't just be something that we say, but in our behavior towards them, that they can see that we love you and that we honor you, Father God. Why? That when they are older one day, that they will not depart from this way. I pray for every child in this church, Father God. I pray, Father, that they will experience the Holy Spirit through their parents. And Father, if we have messed up up to this point, I want to ask that you will forgive us, Father God. I will ask, Father, that you will give us a second chance. But this time that we will sit at your feet, that we will read the word with our children, that we will be intentional sitting around a table speaking about your goodness, your mercy, and your love. Thank you that you've given us the word that is full of ways on how to raise godly children in an ungodly world. We thank you for that, Father. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, I ask that you go pray for your families. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next week with our day. And um, if anyone needs prayer, I'll be in the front. Warren will be in the front. We'll gladly pray for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.